edition of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Associate Director of Communications and Marketing here at Albany Law School. On this edition of the podcast, we're speaking with Kyle Pittman, Class of 2023. He's the Editor-in-Chief of our Government Law Review, Volume 16 this year here at Albany Law. He's also on the rugby team. He's a student ambassador, so a very involved young man. And we do have some breaking news on his career coming up later in the podcast. You're going to listen all the way through on this one. Notes before we get going here on this edition of the show, albanylaw.edu slash COVID-19. Just make sure you're up to date on everything that we need for the pandemic. If you want to keep up to date with the day-to-day here at Albany Law School, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram are the best way to do that. If you like this episode of the podcast, please subscribe on any of the major podcast services or check out our SoundCloud account. And just a final note here before we get to Kyle, we're going to be going on a little bit of hiatus here for the holidays, and then I will be out of town for most of January, so the podcast will be on a little bit of hiatus for the next couple weeks, but we do have some goodies that'll still be in the podcast feed for you. All right, let's talk to Kyle. Back here on the Albany Law School podcast with our guest this week, Kyle Pittman. Kyle, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us because we are reaching the end of the semester here. Obviously, a pretty busy time for all of our students, so appreciate you taking a few minutes. But how has this semester gone? I mean, you've been around the merry-go-round with us a couple of times, so uh, what's this uh, fall been like for you? Yeah, you know, the, the semester as a whole has has been great. You know, it's great to be back on campus, great to see all the faces. Um, you know, and, you know, 3L is, is much different and much different than 1L, and, you know, I'm very thankful for that. So, you know, it's been it's been going well. And yet, like you said, 3L year is, is the last one, typically, for most of our students in our JD program. But I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Why Albany Law School? Why was this the right one for you when you were looking to take that next step? Yeah, you know, so I get asked this question a lot when I do campus tours. I'm a student ambassador here as well. And, you know, I always talk about how there's a certain culture at Albany Law that is really, is extremely unique. And you know, you often hear from alumni that there's a sense of community here that draws candidates to the school. And, you know, that community here, you know, that being the students, staff, and alumni, they really do want their students to succeed in all aspects, that being school and in future careers. And they all are very willing to do whatever they can in order to make sure that happens. Now, before you got with us here at Albany Law, so you were at SUNY Brockport, big football rival of Springfield College where our intrepid host went to undergrad, just so you know. (laughs) But uh, you are a political science major, international studies minor. Uh, Those are, you know, we have a lot of students here who have that political science background. How have those helped you during your time here at Albany Law? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I actually ended up switching my major to political science thinking, you know, that it would be beneficial to me to to switch that. And, you know, while, you know, the major helped me in political science with, you know, gaining a foundation of 
uh, like case law and statutes and pieces of legislation that we were reading in undergrad. I'm not sure what major can necessarily prepare you for what you'll face in law school classes. I think just the, the amount of rigor is much more intense than undergrad. And, you know, like I said, while it did help me gain a foundation in the sense that, like I said, with case law and those types of things, it really is much more different than law school. So, you know what I mean? I think a lot of students, when they come to law school, they, they have to learn how to quote law school. And it's just, you can only learn it by simply doing it, unfortunately. Yeah, we have that in orientation a lot. And you being a student ambassador, working with a lot of younger students who are, are considering taking this step, it, we hear that over and over again. It's almost like learning a new language after speaking one for 25 years. A lot of people, it takes a little while to learn how to do all the reading, how to do all the writing. Was that your experience too? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it, it is was intense at times, especially one L year when you know, everyone's in the same boat. Doesn't necessarily matter your background. You know, there's there's people who have worked in the legal field that come to law school that you know work as paralegals and things like that. But even those individuals that I know personally, they still say you know that the struggle was still there, and they and they still had to do as much work as everyone else did to make it. And you know, like I said, it's 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 one of those things that you just kind of have to do it. You got to have to experience it, and you know, everyone you know gets it along the way, and. It's not as bad as it seems now, me sitting in 3L year, you know what I mean, as I was a 1L. Yeah, absolutely. And you, again, said 3L year here, so you've been through a couple semesters, to say the least. What have been some of the most meaningful experiences of your time? We're going to talk, of course, about government law review, but what are some of the other things that you've really had fun with while you've been here on campus? I think the most meaningful experience I've had really is just getting involved on campus, you know, as I said, I'm a student ambassador. Um, as you've said, you know, I'm, I'm a part of Government Law Review, and I'm also a part of the rugby team. And you know, all these experience, all these experiences have really helped me grow as an individual in uh, you know vastly different ways. Um, you know, whether that's meeting new students that maybe I wouldn't have met, but you know, in class or something like that, or gaining valuable alumni connections. A lot of these, uh, a lot of the clubs and organizations on campus, besides the one I've mentioned, do have a very you know, intricate and vast alumni network. And, you know, it's really important as a law student to to get those connections. And it's just, it's getting involved and it really will allow someone to have that meaningful experience. Okay, I want to get to government law review, but we always, I always get interested in talking to the rugby players here at law school. So obviously, the courtroom or the boardroom or the library, these are typical experiences of many law students. But for those who are listening who don't know, we do have both a men's and a women's rugby team. Let me let me just start with how do you get involved in that? And then what's it like? Like you're going, you're knocking your coconut against other guys while you're playing rugby, right? How does it fit into the law school experience? So how I got involved was really just through through meeting upperclassmen. Um, when I was working in admissions, my one L year as a student ambassador, one of the, well, a couple of actually the of the players then were were student ambassadors, and you know they said, oh, you should join you know rugby, and I said, okay. I mean, I never I never played before. Most of the of the guys on the rugby team and women on the rugby team don't have a lot of experience or have never even you know picked up a rugby ball before. But yeah, you know, it is an extremely intense sport. Um, I've played contact sports my whole life, and 
I can honestly say there's really nothing like, you know, tackling someone with no pads, no helmet. So it's, it's definitely interesting and it, it's, it's fun, you know, it's a way to unwind and do something that literally has nothing to do with law school, but in that sense, you know, in the physical sense, but then of course, when we do apply to law school, we have a very large alumni connection in the Albany area and all across New York state that a lot of the times players and students, I guess, on the team do get internships and jobs from those connections. It's, it's super, you know, close knit and it's, it's a really cool community to be, to be a part of. All right. So I want to get into the, the meat of our, of our talk here today. And that's speaking with you as the editor in chief of the government law review. So let's start pretty basic. We have three journals here, but what what is the Government Law Review? Where does it fit in with the other journals? So Government Law Review is basically a student-run and student-edited law review. It publishes legal scholarship on a variety of issues, more so relating to the legal aspects of government and public policy. These articles are really from students, professors, judges, and attorneys really all over the country. We get submissions from a vast amount of people. When we, as a journal, make edits to those articles and make sure that they really fit the standards of our volumes that we set out, and we make sure that everything is substantiated so that, you know, when we do go to publish, there are no mistakes in those, you know, pieces of work that we're going to publish in our volumes. And you mentioned publishing the volumes there. I guess, what is what is a volume of law review? Is is it something I, I can go down to the office and pick up a book? Is it a magazine? Is it only online? What does the law review produce? Yeah. So we actually have eight articles that we're working on this year that are going towards our printed version. Um, so we actually, we're different from the other journals. We only publish one issue a year, meaning we only have one book, um, one volume, volume 16 this year. So those eight articles that we are going to work on and continue to work on throughout this year are going to be published in that volume 16 at the end of the year when we you know finish editing and making those edits. And Government Law Review also has a solely online publication. So we get uh, an additional, I believe, five articles that are won't be published in the printed version, but you know you'll get to publish for Government Law Review in that same capacity. It'll just be online. And for those interested in checking out what the Government Law Review looks like online, you can check the show notes for this episode. We'll have a link to the website that the the Law Review uses and keeps up to date. Kyle, I mean, you might not be able to speak to many other students about what their motivations are, but at least for yourself, why become part of Law Review? Why did you want to get involved with it? Yeah, so... Coming to law school, I, I honestly had no idea what a journal was, no idea what law review was, and it was really towards talking and talking to upperclassmen and, you know, people that I knew that I decided it would be a good opportunity for me. You know, there's a lot of reasons why a student may want to join a law review. Um, there's a lot of practical experience in research and research and editing. You know, most internships and field placements that I've been a part of, they want students to out of sight and be familiar with the blue book. And, you know, being on a journal really does give, you know, them at least some of that beforehand. And also, like I've mentioned a lot here, the, the alumni connections, all the journals, including Government Law Review, have a pretty good networking with alumni. And we have events throughout the year that, you know, we will have alumni come and meet with members. And, you know, it's another good way to not only get jobs, but, you know, gain those connections 
And from more of a practical experience, I guess you, for me at least, it has really trained my mind to become more detail oriented. You know, obviously, law students in general, when they come to law school, they they do have a, a level of you know that they're detail oriented. But you know, it does really make sure that all the T's are crossed. And you know, sometimes it can be challenging when dealing with some of these pieces and dealing with the blue book as well. And you know, there's just obviously a lot of information to learn, and you it is a good learning experience as well. And I think one of the more important parts is teamwork. You know, getting these articles ready for publication does require a lot of teamwork from the journal collectively, starting from the sub editors to to me. And it really is a valuable skill to have. You know, when entering the the real world as a, a practicing attorney. Okay, you've you've piqued my interest. Let's say I'm a, a one L that wants to start getting involved. How do I get involved? Can I just sign up and start showing up at meetings? What is the protocol to become part of that team? Yeah, so there's a few ways you can get involved. Well, I guess a couple, just two really. Um, so you can grade on, which is you need to be in the top 10% at the end of your 1L year. Or you can do the write-on competition, which it doesn't necessarily require you to be a certain percentage of your class. You just have to have a minimum GPA of two point a 2.5. So the writing competition is also at the end of the 1L year. And it basically consists of a footnote portion where, you know, students will try and figure out basically what's wrong with certain footnotes. That's largely what you'll be doing as an incoming sub-editor on the journal anyway. So it's very good practice, obviously, in that respect. And there's also a writing portion that's basically based on a prompt that the all three journals collectively provide. And we work on it together to administer to the students and, you know, either have to read all those materials, and then they have to provide a objective memo based three to five, I believe it was a page paper, you know, regarding all the materials that we gave them. And then we evaluate how students do and who wants to join which journal and that type of thing. Okay, so I have the, the, the what you're making, why people want to be part of it, how to become part of the team. How does the journal go from just an idea to a completed document is there like did you just get thousands of articles from around the country and put them all together what do the sub editors do how do i go from absolutely nothing to a finished product yeah it's 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 a pretty lengthy process actually we start really soliciting and reviewing articles over the summer right basically um leading up to the year so we start you know, looking at articles in June and July. We review those articles. Elizabeth Getz, our managing editor for submissions, will review those articles and, and bring the ones that she believes are of publishable quality to myself and then our executive editor, Maddie Ping. And after we all decide that, you know, this is publishable quality and something that will represent the journal well and is, is fits our standards, we give them to the sub-editors that will look at each sub-edit, well, look at each footnote and they're given and really make sure that the sources are substantiated properly. Like, for example, if the author uses a direct quote, we make sure that that exact quote is illustrated correctly in the article from their source. So we just make sure you know, everything is, is correct. And then after the sub editors will look at it, the article will be sent to the article editors, which are three L's now. So it's Brittany Frain and Karen Zunnelman, where the work is reviewed and then checked for accuracy from those sub edits. And then it'll go back to Maddie our executive editor for a final review before it gets sent to the author for approval. And after we receive author approval and, you know, they check everything out and everything is okay, the whole lead board collectively will participate in what we call final edits. And that's really just where we do a last final check 
before we send it to the publisher to make sure, you know, the footnotes are correct, everything's formatted correctly. There's a few different uh, formatting requirements to send to the publisher. So we just make sure that's okay. And then we're all set to go to, to send to the publisher. Now, when I hear the word government over the last, let's say, five to 10 years here, there's obviously some challenges working in that space, be they politically, be they uh, just the changing tides and changing ideas that are coming through, especially here in the United States. What are some of the biggest challenges of putting through, putting together a government law review? Yeah, you know, it's, it is challenging to really choose those articles that we want to publish. Um, you know, there's often so many good ones that it, it is definitely complicated sometimes to, to, you know, make sure that we pick the right ones. We don't necessarily have a theme for this journal this year. In years past, they have, you know, had certain themes for a journal. But another thing is really time management. A lot of things have to happen that really behind the scenes that does make it challenging, you know, like articles, some articles some with some authors, they have sources that, you know, we need to get, like for books, sometimes it backs things up. So that can also be challenging. And another thing that we really do have to be sympathetic to is that everyone in this journal is human and is a student. They have other obligations, like I said, whether that would be schoolwork or a job. So, you know, sometimes things come up and unfortunately it just is a part of life and we have to adapt and, you know, obviously make sure that we get all of these articles ready in May to send to the publisher. Now, when you do conquer those challenges, there's got to be rewards. There's got to be something that is just some satisfaction that comes out of putting this document together. What are the biggest rewards for, uh, you mentioned, there's a networking aspect, there's a teamwork aspect, and then you know you guys produce a product over the last 16 years that's really highly regarded in the government law space. But in in your interpretation, what are some of the big rewards about being part of the law review? Yeah, so being on the journal for these past two years, you know, as a 2L and now a 3L, it, it really is the skills that, you know, you have learned as a, as being a part of this journal and all the journals. I think it's a great experience to become, like I said, more detail-oriented and have those better time management skills and just more knowledgeable about legal writing in general. I think it's, it is complicated sometimes. You know, we talked about my undergrad degree to really compare the writing you do in undergrad, anything you do in undergrad to what you would write in law school. And sometimes it can be challenging. So I think being on a journal will sometimes help break that curve a little bit. And then, of course, you know, obviously that volume at the end of the year when it comes back from the press is there is so much work that gets put into it and so much that is done really behind the scenes just from the e-board and the sub-editors that you know, some don't realize, and I didn't even realize until I joined the journal and became a member of the eboard. That is really rewarding to you know see that work product that that is complete, and you know that we have represented the journal in in really a positive way. So we're recording here right at the tail end of November, headed into finals in December, of course, but. What are you looking forward to most the rest of this academic year when we come back in January and then through the spring? Yeah, so in the spring of next next semester, the Government Law Review is going to be hosting their symposium. We're actively working on a topic right now, so we don't have one pinned down yet. But um, yeah, so you know that's where we're going to have guest speakers come and other experts in, in a field that you know we do the topic on and talk about that legal issue. So, you know, that's great for the school to come to and, you know, really learn about an interesting legal topic. 
and obviously other events that the school is going to have. We have, you know, the barristers ball and the journal banquet that, you know, everyone gets really excited for. So I'm, you know, obviously excited for those as well. Then looking even beyond next semester, what's the future hold for Kyle Pittman once he leaves us here at Albany Law School? Yeah, so I have actually accepted a clerkship at the New York Supreme Court Appellate Division Third Department here in Albany starting this upcoming August. So I'm excited for that. Oh, are we breaking news? This is breaking news here on the podcast? It, it is actually, yes. I have just accepted it a couple of days ago, actually. So yes, it is breaking news. Oh, congratulations. That's fantastic. That's, that's, Thank you. That's a great, in speaking, you know, working in government, I mean, yeah. That's working in government, a perfect yeah, example yeah. of it. Yep. So congratulations. Thank you. Now, last one before the lightning round. We're going to go full circle here because we started asking at the beginning why Albany Law School. But as a student ambassador, you speak with a lot of incoming students. What what insights can you give prospective students about Albany Law School? You know, so Albany Law it is really a great school that, will not only prepare you for your legal career, but, you know, will also allow you to enjoy the process of becoming a lawyer is what I've really experienced here at Albany. And, you know, like I've said, kind of hinted on here, law school is not necessarily the most glamorous thing. Um, I'm not, I won't sugarcoat it. It's, it's not necessarily easy at sometimes, but, you know, Albany does do a great job in making sure that their students are taken care of in really all facets of their life. And I think, you know, myself and the students here do really appreciate that. It's lightning round time. You ready for the lightning round? I am, yep. <laughs> All right. We we loosely use the term lightning around here, but if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I would probably say the Caribbean. I love the Caribbean. I, I try to go, you know, obviously times are busy now, but I try to, to get there every year or so, but I do love the Caribbean. Oh, <laughs> don't have sold. Counselor, <laughs> you have made your case. <laughs> if you won $10 million tomorrow, I mean, you obviously finish your career here at Albany Law School and be a clerk, of course, but what would you spend your $10 million on? Ooh, I would probably, I'd probably, you know, give some money to my parents, let them retire, and then I would probably buy a house with oceanfront access so I can, I can scuba dive right off the dock every day. I'm a big Big scuba diver. I've always loved scuba diving. So that that's what I'll be doing when I when I get ten million dollars slash retire in however many years. <laughs> that's a great great plan. Well, I, and maybe this leads in. Well, of course, it leads into the last question here. Favorite animal? What's your favorite animal? If you're scuba diving, I have to imagine fish and sea life is probably pretty high on the list. It's a good guess. It's a good guess. Um, so actually, a little. It's it's called a lionfish. There's a little story behind it. I was scuba diving a while ago and had the GoPro and I was you know videoing, videoing all the things down there and this weird fish came up to me and I was like oh this is a cool fish and I got real close to it. Said oh this is gonna be great footage and then after looking at it, looking at it and looking it up when I got back to shore I was like oh that's a venomous fish. Um, maybe I should have gotten <laughs> so close to it. Uh, so it's just really funny. Um, it's a pretty cool fish. They're actually very invasive to the coral, coral reef. So, um, but they're they're a cool fish. So yeah, I guess that's my favorite animal at this point. I'm sure <laughs> you know when when I dive more, I'll, I'll find something else. But there are some pretty cool animals down there. 
All right, we've reached the end of our podcast for today. We always ask the same question to close things out, though. Is there anything you'd like to say to the Albany Law School community? Yeah, you know, so like I've said throughout this podcast, for those who who have not gotten involved in some capacity, please do. Um, I was never one to to get involved in high school or undergrad, and you know, now that I have in law school, it really has been a great experience and. You know, you have, I have grown as, a, as an individual, and I think a lot of students do when they do that. And, you know, whether it's on a journal or other group here at the law school, it really is just a great way to meet people. And like I said, especially alumni. And lastly, you know, for those of you who are thinking about joining a journal, please don't hesitate to reach out to me anytime. You know, I'm very happy to answer any questions you may have about, about the journal. Mr. Kyle Pittman, thank you for being on the Albany Law School podcast. Really appreciate you uh, taking a couple minutes here before finals. Anytime. Thank you so much, Ben.